0: The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 409 for Sunday, July 22nd,
1: 2012. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in your questions, we provide some answers. You send in your tips, we share your tips as well as some of our own. And occasionally, even more than occasionally, let's be honest, we share some stuff we like to call cool stuff found. Here from Cow Island on Lake Winnipesaukee in New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. What? I know. How did this happen? Uh, Oh, Oh, you're the boss and you get vacation. Uh, I'm the boss and I don't get vacation is what it turns out to be.
0: No, because look at the end and the effort that was put into putting this show together, which has not just the old but the new. That's oh, right. Oh, by the way,
1: John F. Braun, Fairfield, Connecticut. It's nice to, it's nice. I was going to say it's nice to see you, John, but it's a, it's a pleasure to speak with you, my friend. Likewise. And yeah, this, so I, this show. <laughs> Every travel show has a story. This one actually has a story worth telling, but uh, but I I, I am going to save that story right. for for later in the show. This show almost didn't happen, John. You you actually don't know all the uh, the, the gory details because I figured I I just tell them once here on the uh, here on the. I show. would
0: hope because my travel woes pale in comparison to I'm sure what I'm going to hear from you. Uh, if <laughs> we have time, I I would like to go on about. No. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, You are charting new waters because, you know, I mean, the the, the show setup is something that is fine tuned and locked pretty much the location you're at. So,
1: yeah, that's true. And we've you done- doing this, I
0: I my hat comes off to you if I wore a hat, but even if I don't, <laughs> uh, uh, trying to figure that out is cool, man. So go.
1: I'm it, sorry. No, I, I well, I'll tell the story uh, later in the show. Let's answer a couple of questions. Let's get into the groove of it. the the, oh, the, sure. the there's two versions there are two pieces to the story number one is that i totally rebuilt the live setup on my laptop because i just hated the way that it worked before and hopefully i think i think we've gotten the sound certainly the mobile version of the sound is the best in this show that it's ever been and and i hope that remains true but of course you're you're doing a backup recording just in case my friend uh but uh but i think we've done well with that but but that i did earlier in the week and then of course when we got up here to the lake uh everything became a challenge, uh, as it often does when you live on an island. Um uh, and as my which is where I am, I'm with my uh my wife's uh, parents up here. So uh anyway, but let's let's uh let's go into the show and then and then there is a very apropos story about uh how this show came to be. Uh but uh but I'm gonna try and read this. So it's always a little weird doing this from remote because I'm turning and doing things differently. But David Listener David, premium listener David, writes, I have a seemingly simple problem that I have not been able to solve. In Apple Mail, I have two accounts, my work account and a personal account. Let's say I'm reading through the inbox of my work account, and it hits me that I failed to remind my beautiful wife to buy beer at the grocery store. I quickly type Command N for a new mail message, type the message and send it using the shortcut Command Shift D. A second and a half later, I realized this went out through my work account because Apple Mail appears to default to the account that you are currently reading. I'd love a solution in which you could create a, use, a new message using a specified account. Perhaps, perhaps something like this exists, but I have not discovered it. So it exists in a way. I have a simple answer for you. There may be a more complex one. And if somebody has it, please share it. But the simple answer is in Mail, you go to Mail, Preferences, Composing. That's the Mail menu and then Preferences and then go to the composing tab, and you'll see that there is a little section about halfway down the screen, and this is Snow Leopard and Lion uh, and previous versions too. I think this goes way back. It says send new mail messages from, and if you have multiple accounts to find, you get a drop down. Normally, uh, it says currently. Well, what does it exactly say? I got to look. It says account of selected mailbox. But you can change that and you can make it to default from your personal account or your work account in your case it sounds like you'd want to default from your personal account now that means every new message you send will default from your personal account but from experience let me tell you yes this may not always be the account you want of course but it will force you to get into the habit of changing that account if the personal account is not the one you want in other words if the default is or if new messages are always created from the same account as opposed to it varying, you will get into the habit of changing it when you want it to be changed. And uh, as opposed to it, you know, being this moving target and you never really know if you need to change it. And uh, and that works out well. I, I've been doing it this way for a long time and uh, and it's worked out nicely. Now, if somebody knows of a even better way, well, let us know. Otherwise, we'll move on to. uh to listener John's question, unless my friend John F. Braun has well, something to Well, the only add. thing
0: I had, so, so actually when I was looking at this dialogue, I was thinking about what I've gone through as of late. And the one thing that occurred to me is, so on the one hand, the selection for the default mail account, I think is cool. All right, selected mailbox, that makes sense. But the only thing when I looked over this day, because you, you highlighted a dialogue that I had not seen before, was, oh, well, you know, what's the default account for creating notes in? Because that's in the same mail dialog, at least the, the, the one that I saw. And it occurred to me a lot of times, do I ever want to not create a note, especially if you have iCloud, in an account other than? So, so I, I guess all I'm saying is that those uh, specific parts of the uh, mail UI, you may want to think about how that gets in your workflow, because I didn't until now. And sometimes, I guess uh, the only reason I mention it is because I had notes scattered about from accounts that I didn't realize were not my iCloud or uh, other account.
1: Right, right. Yeah, no, very, uh, yeah, very good stuff. All right, moving, uh, moving on to listener John, and John asks, I've got what's maybe a stupid question, but... Here goes anyway. Listen, there is no stupid question here on this show. And well, <laughs> let me let me say that more nicely. Any stupid question we answer pretty much well, we try to answer everything that comes in. We you know, we do we do what we can. We do pre, we do prioritize those questions from premium members and we will continue to do so. In fact, for those of you that are premium or interested in premium, uh I would say that within the next week we will have details on on the future of premium and it's and it's looking very good. So thank you for your feedback. But uh but stupid questions just don't make it to the show. That's, that's how it works. So send anything and It's fine. Uh, John continues. I'm helping my cousin Dave. So this is a John and Dave question. This is interesting. I'm helping my cousin Dave, who's the proud owner of a new iPhone 4S and also a new iPad. Dave's a Windows guy that I will wager will eventually be a Mac guy as he uses his iOS devices more and more. Because his PC is an antique running Windows XP, he can't take full advantage of iCloud from what I've read. So my question is, how can he get PhotoStream working between his two iOS devices without using a PC or Mac? Or is it even possible? John, you're in luck. It, it, it's absolutely possible. In fact, it's so simple, you may have overlooked it. Uh, I, I did this for my mom this weekend, or this past weekend, because she was up at our house. And, and what you do is, it, you're doing all of this on iOS, of course. You go into the Settings app, you scroll down and tap iCloud, then you tap PhotoStream. And then you tap on. And my friend, that is it. As long as you do that on all your iOS devices, any photos you take with one of them will then be in Photo Stream on all of them for 30 days. What you don't get by adding a Mac or a PC, that you would get by adding a Mac or a PC, is that the Mac or the PC would actually keep an archive of that ad infinitum. Uh, you don't get that with, uh, with the iOS devices unless you move those into photo albums, in which case you do. So, So, uh, so that's... That's it. I, I, I you know. I, I, do Do you have anything to add, John? I, I know you do. <laughs>
0: I got a boatload because boy, did I just have a f- fun with this question. Awesome! It was like an onion.
1: It's many one layers.
0: The- <laughs> yes. So the one problem here is so the, the basic question I think if you boil it down is how can. Someone I know who has a Windows XP machine access Photo Stream. I think that 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 was one that's of actually, the facets of the original question. Yes? That's not
1: no, but it's a that's I like. I'm glad you're taking it in that direction. He actually didn't ask that. He said since he has Windows XP, let's take that out of the mix. How can he relate his two iOS devices together? But now that we've done that, adding Windows XP back to the mix is great. So go. Right. So here is what I did in. Because of you, the listener,
0: this is why I did this. No, but it was also because I wanted to see if I could do it. So here's the thing. Number one, iCloud originally, I don't think iCloud and Photosync. So iCloud is Photosync and they're not, they intermix. So the problem is, is that the, you do have the ability on a Windows machine. So that's the other facet of the that, that, that interested me is, all right, if, you're a Windows user because we talked about this, Dave, in the past, but I don't think we were entirely clear. So if you are a Windows user, what exactly level of access do you get to iCloud? And I think I can answer this because I tried to go down this path. I was not entirely successful, but I, to, I think what I learned was valuable. So accessing iCloud things from Windows is possible. Number one is you have to install a, uh, I guess they, they would call a control panel within Windows to do this. Now, the thing is, when I went to the iCloud page, it said, whoa, 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 and I ran it on a VM, I ran it on a VMware, and it said, well, you're a Windows user, Uh, you know, uh, before you come back here, you may want to set up a device on iCloud, or I'm sorry, you may want to set up an iOS or Mac on iCloud first, then come back. (laughs) Which is wise advice. So, so basically, what does Apple offer for Windows users? And, and and I think this touches on the question was, if I have a Windows XP machine, can I even think about accessing PhotoStream? And the answer is maybe. And I'm going to tell you why I say maybe. So I found a great article. We'll link to it. But so number one, you can download a control panel that works not in Windows XP, but in Windows um, Vista and 7 and beyond. So... That's Apple's position for the way they constructed the installer for iCloud. But (laughs) the article I will link to, and I'm trying to uh, walk through the process, you can install it on XP. So it's kind of like the things we talked about before, Dave, is Apple is driving people to move forward with, with the operating system that they're using on both Windows and Mac because, well... I don't know why. But anyways, there is a way you can basically modify the installer for iCloud and make it install on in Windows XP. So in theory, and, and here's what happens specifically on Windows machines, from what I've seen, is that you basically sync PhotoStream to a folder for both pickup and drop-off on a Windows machine. Now, I haven't uh, done that. Have you, Dave?
1: No, I haven't, but so that we, sounds I mean, interesting. We, we,
0: know, we know that iCloud supports Windows in a sense, and this is the sense... That based on the exercise I did this afternoon, I found was, yes, you can sync your photos up and down if you install the iCloud thing, if you have Windows 7 or Vista okay. or or whatever else, but not XP. Unless you implement the hack that I found.
1: Right. Cool. Well, we'll look forward to that link in the, uh, in the show notes. All right. Time for Felix. Always. All right. Felix says, I'm trying to figure out the wisdom behind contact management in Otlion's address book. I have contacts which are on my Mac in address book, which sync with Gmail, and that seems to work fine. The thing that is confusing me is that address book is handling contacts on iCloud as a different set of contacts. I have an iPad, which I use iCloud with to sync contacts, five Macs and a Gmail account, and I would ideally like them to share one set of contacts, please, to stay in touch with one another. Currently, the contacts in iCloud appear in address book on my Mac, but do not sync with those on my Mac. Now, when I use Launch Bar to search for a contact, I get the same name appearing twice, but I realize that these are not duplicates. They're just one from each set, one from on my Mac and one from the iCloud set. There must be a rational explanation, but I'm very confused as to why anyone would want it to be this way. Perhaps I don't have a box checked or something. Now, Felix, you you have... You have stumbled onto a flaw in Apple's UI, and it's because you can you're, the syncing that happens with iCloud is managed by putting things into the iCloud contact group. Syncing with Google is managed by a preference checkbox. So it's in two different places, and you're right. They are not consistent with each other. Um, the trick here is in understanding what Apple is thinking behind all of this, and obviously that's not always clear. Uh, until of course it is and and so now let me try to make it clear uh on my mac and and that is the group called on my mac it's important that every to know that everything is stored on your mac but 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 there's there's a little there's a there's a caveat here so the on my mac group should really be thought of as only on my mac or perhaps stated differently the master copy is on my mac iCloud's contact syncing is similar to iMap mail uh where it's a server-based solution, where the server has the master copy, but here's the important part: the data is also stored on your Mac. So your Mac is syncing with the server and keeping a copy of the data local uh, in case you're offline or or just to make things faster. Armed with that knowledge, we can then take this uh, take the assumptive position uh, to leap and say that we might just want to have our contacts, all of them, on iCloud and not in the on my Mac group because we want everything to sync with iCloud and not duplicate. So try that. Move all of your On My Mac contacts to the iCloud group and see how that goes. You will likely wind up with duplicates and you can either manually manage them or uh, if there's a lot, go to the card menu in address book and say look for duplicates, which will then allow you to merge them all into one contact or it, not all of your duplicates into one contact record, but it will merge duplicate contact re- records together. Uh, so, so that's really the trick. You really want everything in the on in the iCloud group and not in the on my Mac group, uh, and and that should make life a little bit simpler for you. I hope. Do you have anything to add, my my friend?
0: I don't think so. So I'm looking at Address Book online, and the problem is, what's kind of a fish shake, Is is that Apple changed the way, right, Address Book acts? But but it's been right a year, I'm so looking. we got to get over it. <laughs>
1: I'm just saying.
0: Well, we got the next generation coming. So that's that's right. Again. But no, what I'm looking here, so I'm looking on, on my MacBook Pro with Lion, and I see the account screen, both iCloud and on my Mac. And the thing is, right now, I don't think I'm doing on my Mac anymore. And that the, the, the there are two checkboxes I think was suggested, sync with Yahoo, Yahoo or sync with Google. Right. And none are checked. So I don't think I'm storing intentionally anything on my Mac. It, it's still in my account list. Right. I don't know if I quite get, but, but yeah. I think what you're saying is you want to bring everything over to those is, you know what, I? Th- you and I had talked about this quite a bit, especially when I was, you know, we were both thinking of, or, you know, the consequences of migrating. Right, right. What will be is, what do I do with, with uh, you know, this sort of stuff? It's a good question. And then I have things stored locally. And and I think that was the big problem is that Apple or or MobileMe or or the apps made it possible for you to say store locally. And you didn't necessarily know, well, yeah, it's stuck on this computer. And other than time capsule or time machine. So you convinced me. You convinced me to ditch up because I think I did have some, you know, one machine that was set up for local storage. And it didn't sink anywhere. And it's like, well, what's the point of
1: that? What's the point? Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. No, you might as well use iCloud. In fact, so here's a, I I didn't even prep this for the show because it came out. Well, it happened yesterday. So we got up here to the lake and my sister-in-law has an iPhone. I'll say she has an iPhone. You'll understand why this uh, is important. Uh, And, and she says, you know, what's this, you know, how, I don't know why, actually, I honestly don't know why the topic came up, but we started talking about iCloud and, and how great it is to just let your iPhone back up to iCloud. And she said, wait, what, um, what do you, what do you mean by that? And, uh, and so what I did was I looked into her preferences and I saw that she had not turned on iCloud backup. And I said, you know, you don't sync with your computer a bunch while you're up here. You should turn on iCloud backup. That way, if you, lose your phone or it gets damaged or heaven forbid you drop it in the lake. Uh you've got a backup and all you do is you get a new phone and boom, it restores from that and you're good to go. And she says, Well, that's great. And so this was like Friday night that we talked about this. And then yesterday I said, Hey, did your phone back up? She said, No, it it said it failed. And so we tried again and later yesterday I said, Did your phone back up? She said, No, it failed and we tried again. And then today at about two PM, I got a phone call from her, clearly on a different phone than than her phone number. And she says, Uh I just dropped my phone in the lake. (laughs) And I said, okay. She said, do I need to try and retrieve it so I can get my data off it? And of course, my question was, did your iCloud backup complete? And she said, yes. I saw that it completed at 1 a.m. today. And I said, well, not a moment too soon. Go get yourself a new phone. Even retrieving your old one isn't going to do you any good. It's sitting at the bottom of the lake. You know, it's done. And, uh, And so she'll be able to restore from her backup. So iCloud is good. At least for that
0: cool i know as, as long as there is a cloud and you can access it as long as there's a cloud awesome uh, yeah i know that's the that's, that's the been real my trick. fear really it has been right right well especially you know we we talk about backups also communication strategy so if you're and i think about this sometimes the not as much because i'm in a you know kind of densely populated you know not city but you right. know the burbs here, but uh, still, I think about that sometimes, and I still have. I mean, so, yeah, so I got the cell phone, I got the 4G, and then that's well, yeah, about it, actually. So,
1: <laughs> Right, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, so you, you've, 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 you've paved the way for me to, no. to tell this little story here, so I, no. will, uh, I will do my best. So I need to explain, and it's important so that you can understand my frame of mind when all this happened. Uh, we always come up here for a week. This next week, starting tomorrow, is absolutely the wrong week for me to be out of the office. I've got so many things I need to do. And uh, and so I, I you know, I, I actually mid last week, I figured there's, I'm just not going to go to the lake. You know, it's fine. It's just, you know, it happens sometimes. And it's okay. And then I started thinking about it. And the family was sort of sad to not have me up here with them. And I started thinking, you know... They've got DSL up here now, which is new as of last year, which means I've got decent connectivity. And so, you know, if I work every morning until about 11, I can meet with the people I really, it's we've got a lot of new projects going. We've got a, so here's all the secrets we've got a redesign of TMO happening. We have, yes, a Mac Geekab app that is about to be pushed out. We've got a couple of sales that we're working on. Yes, I know. Yeah, it's a big deal, actually, and it's a cool thing. I don't mean to gloss over it, but I, I'll keep going. So we've got that going. We've got a couple of sales that we need to work on at Backbeat, and, uh, and, and then, you know, we needed to do this show tonight. I didn't want to get out of schedule, and, and so I figured it all out, and I'm like, yeah, you know what? I can make this work, and I, I truly can be done by lunch. I say I'll be done by 11. That means I'll be done by lunch, and, uh, and everything will be good you know and and so yes i can make this happen so we get up here and on the way up they're telling me oh yeah we had this horrible lightning storm and uh it blew out you know the garage door openers and the boathouse and this that and the other thing and i get here and i get they have two houses they're very fortunate here they bought the the house next door a couple of years ago and we ran uh, an ethernet cable between the two the dsl comes into the main house and we run an Ethernet cable over. And we did this like five years ago when they had a satellite connection to share the Internet connection. And we have another router here that broadcasts the signal. And so I get here and I turn on my laptop. This is Friday night, John. And I see that I get a signal, but I get no DHCP. And immediately I knew what happened. I'm like, oh, crap. That lightning strike blew everything out. And sure enough, I go and I posted a picture of this well, to my... Everything- well, yep. it it blew a lot, right? You know, and and they still had the internet at the house, so I think figured, uh blew, you know, it's a direct burial cable, uh, but I've got it protected on both ends with Protectnet the APC protect net connectors. So, uh, I looked at these things, and both of them on on either end, literally, when I say they blew apart, they actually blew apart from this lightning strike. It, it was it was that close. I'm like, oh crap! And they're like totally melted inside. I posted a picture to my Twitter feed to Instagram, which is also linked to my. Oh, Twitter Oh, I saw feed.
0: that one. They yeah. melted.
1: Yeah, and so I'm like, oh crap! And and so I tried plugging the cable into the you know to the the uh, the the combination modem router, which is what they have in the house. They've the, from Fairpoint, which is their DSL company. They have a, a device that is the DSL modem. A router and also a Wi-Fi access point, so they have one device in the house, and then there's this Linksys thing I set up here at the at the point house, and uh, and so you know I just I took the ProtectNet connectors out because they were literally melted, and plugged the cable into the you know the routers on either end and got no link lights. I'm like, oh crap! So I tried all the ports on both of them, like it must be the cable. I'm on an island and it's Friday night, you know. So here I pulled together this perfect plan to get all this work done. And there's no way I'm going to I didn't bring parts with me to fix it. There aren't parts here. There's no store on the island. There's there's nothing on the island. Everybody's house is just on the water. You only get anywhere by boat and there's nothing nearby. I was Isn't just, this what you wanted? I was dejected. I was like, <laughs> you got to be kidding me. You know, I, I worked this out. Exactly. like this sucks. And, uh, and well, so do I, you want to be do you want to be a hermit or do you want to? It- I can't see how you can have both. Well, I wanted both, and I had both. I mean, I'd set it all up years ago to make it work, and it just so happened that this storm was last week. So I woke up Saturday morning, and for whatever reason, my gut started telling me the DSL modems, all the Ethernet ports in the DSL modem were bad. I don't know why my gut was telling me this, but that's what it was telling me. So I brought the router that's in the point here over to the house so I could plug them in directly without... You know, the, the, this big long cable in between them. And I also had a laptop there. So I tried all the Ethernet ports. The Ethernet ports on, on the Linksys device were all fine. All the Ethernet ports on the DSL modem were bad. And now I'm thinking this just went from bad to worse. Because I have a DSL modem that I can only replace from Fairpoint. And you know that's going to take two weeks. And I figured, well, it's done. I'm just going to go home Sunday afternoon. I'll record from home Sunday night, and then I'll be home Monday for meetings, and and maybe I'll come back up Monday afternoon if I can make that work. And I mentioned this to my father-in-law, and he said, oh, don't you remember last year when Fairpoint was here, and they brought the DSL modem with them, but they said, you're probably gonna get one in the mail. Keep it just in case something happens. And he hands me a box with a brand new DSL modem in it. It was like, oh, you know, the, yeah. the gods had smiled. I plugged the thing in. Within ten minutes, everything was back up and running. And that's why we we're able to do the show the way we are now. So, it was, uh, it was, you know, a, a, a little bit of Busman's holiday syndrome going on. But, uh, but I'll take it because it means I can stay up here. So that's good. Yep. I know it was like the one they they had one spare part and it was the one spare part I needed. So it was awesome. Anyway, uh, should we go to Bill here? Let's go to Bill. Lockdown. Lockdown. Bill says, I'm using one password. The question I have is when I go to a secure site using Safari or Firefox, it automatically logs me in. Even if one password is not running. I thought it was supposed to ask me for a master password. Yes, Bill, uh, you're right. But here's the thing. Not only can 1Password log you in, and it will only do it when you tell it to, and when you enter your master password, um, it's important to remember that your browsers, Safari and Firefox, also remember passwords completely separately from 1Password. And you may have saved passwords in your browser. So you got to go into your browser, especially if you're using 1Password or, what do you use, John, 1SafePass? I forget the name of it.
0: Mr. I was going to add that then, but I'll add it now. But LastPass, LastPass. is another one. And yes. what I want to mention is yeah, a lot of utilities, so they either have a mode. So, LastPass, from what I've and actually the way I set it up is if it goes to a site where it knows to fill in my info, it sits there and fills it in and it has little stars saying, okay, okay I filled it in for you. I'm going to let you click on the button saying go ahead. Sure. Which to me, yeah, that's good. Just in case. So, so, what occurred to me when I read this question? Well, hang, is that, hang on, hang, hang on.
1: You, 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 you're you're I'm derailing. Yeah, you're derailing this. That's Go right. Back. But no. So, yeah, if you're using one password or LastPass or anything like that, uh, you are gonna you want to turn off your browser's built-in password remembrance utility. And so, in Safari, that's in the Safari menu, preferences, autofill tab. And then make sure the usernames and passwords is unchecked. You don't want that checked. Similarly, in Firefox, you go to Firefox, Preferences, the Firefox menu, which is always the one next to the Apple menu. The Applications menu is right next to the Apple menu. And you go to Preferences and go to Security and make sure Remember Passwords for Sites is unchecked. And then lastly, if you're using 1Password, uh, in the we go to that 1Password menu, go to Preferences, go to Security. And make sure the lock after X minutes of inactivity is checked uh, at the very least. And you can set other security parameters, take a look and, and figure what you know what works for you. Uh, I like universal unlock so that if I unlock the app, it's unlocked in my browser. And if I unlock in my browser, it's unlocked in the app. You may not like that for you, and that's okay. That's why they have preferences. So, sorry, John, go ahead. I just wanted to get that part out before we got derailed into, uh, no. you know, wherever we went.
0: No, I don't think I had much...
1: To say just last okay. pass the way the way it works uh works for me that's and that's and that's important, I mean you know it's good all right uh how are we doing on time? I have no idea oh, I do have an idea oh Third. oh whew, I thought I wasn't recording, John, but i am it's good that's <laughs> yeah, good I think you did that once I or did. twice it it has happened yeah you but figured, as an
0: audio professional God, I sucks. can't think in any scenario you would let it happen more than
1: once i, I know i've seen that it was bad getting 20 minutes into the show and realizing we didn't have a recording that's not good
0: well no it's just <sighs> hey that's
1: why
0: we all talk about backups mm-hmm. in all
1: senses and you're doing a backup uh-huh. recording of this one which is good um oh i
0: <laughs> no i am no, i'm kidding no it's running it's running that's how i know the time because i see the time of the recording but yeah Right. You know We said it before. We said it again. We'll say it forever. Make more than one copy of what you're doing.
1: Absolutely. No, <laughs> including a live recording, which actually may not occur to you. Well, it didn't to us. <laughs> actually, one time uh, that we it, it has happened twice. Once when we were in what I'll call our normal setup with you and me not in the same room. But it also happened at Macworld Expo once. I remember sitting in a hotel room. And uh, us, you know, in front of the same mic or, or, you know, certainly in the same room at the same desk. And we were, you know, 20 minutes into the show. And I said to you, John, we got to stop. And you looked at me like, oh, come on. I'm like, no, actually, I'm not kidding this time. <laughs> anyway, Larry writes, I know you get tons of questions and I'm sorry to raise this one again, but I must. My mid 2011 MacBook Pro will not sleep voluntarily. If I close the lid or do a sleep command, it does go to sleep. But left on its own, no. I've been looking at the console and I'm seeing multiple lines that say add fs event unable to get path for xxx and it lists sugar as the client. It's being repeated all during the day. All my googling has been no help. I'm also seeing things about the mdns responder closing sockets prematurely. I've repaired my hard drive twice. I run Time Machine on an external Firewire 800 drive, and I have repaired that. I don't think that the two messages are related, but definitely something's wrong. I'm not sure how long this has been going on, but I was a victim of the Apple Thunderbolt update, and the Genius Bar did reinstall my OS. Okay, um, sleep problems, as longtime listeners know, or even short-time listeners know, can be a bear to diagnose. Um Really, uh, which is which? Well, it's funny, right? Because bears hibernate, and so maybe that's maybe it wasn't. That <laughs> <right>. <laughs> oh, oh. Oh. Anyway, um, I O. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so, in, in any event, so, you know, sometimes we can get the system to tell us why it's not sleeping. And I think this is new in Lion. It may be there in Snow Leopard. There's a there's an article on TMO that uh, that we posted that details this. But the net is that if you if go to the terminal and run the P-M, that's power management set command, all, all together, P-M set space dash G, as in go, uh, from the terminal, it will tell you, if you look down at the sleep line, it may say in parentheses the word imposed, and it'll list pi P-I, it'll list a number, that number is the process ID or P-I-D number, you can then run, uh, if it is there, then you know what the system, what application is keeping the system from sleeping, and uh and you can run activity monitor to cross reference that p i d. to see what the name of the application is, and there should be a column called p i d in activity monitor a little convoluted, but it certainly tells you um but that's not always gonna help and uh and here's where i I would love to pass it to you, John. I certainly can expound on this, but i'm Go. hoping you've got something oh, am I supposed to expound you could hand the baton i'm going to hand it it's in your hand already, my friend. <laughs>
0: Well, the only thing I mention is that there is a, I love them, you love them, but if you don't, but you will because Apple wrote this, or somebody wrote this, for your benefit. And it's the uh, support article HT1776. Isn't that Patriot? I got to wonder if that was intentional, but basically, Ah. the title of the article is Mac OS X, Why Your Mac Might Not Sleep or Stay in Sleep Mode. So rather than reading the whole thing to you which you may find soothing if you're about to not often go to sleep but otherwise it's a waste of our time and your time so we will link to this but but it is basically a pretty thorough description of here's all the weird things that some you may not think of your iTunes playing music uh playing a movie, things like that. So this touches on all those things, but we're not going to read it back to you. Bluetooth. Uh, Bluetooth actually, Dave, I think it's a humorous one because a lot of times it's devices that either you didn't think to tell your computer to ignore or you set up when you carry them in your bag like a mouse or a phone or whatever to link to your computer and you don't think that that will wake it up. And I'm, I'm convinced, or at least it sounds... Funny to me is that most of these are are just innocent accidents that people didn't think well this thing's going to wake this thing up and then you know it's going to create chaos at two in the morning when i'd really like to get some sleep and go to work tomorrow so
1: <laughs> right seriously <laughs> yeah, no, I know I know it so you, you know you you did mention it, it really you just got to start diagnosing it using the age old troubleshooting method which is. And, and it sucks with sleep, too, because it takes so long to figure out what's going on. But, well, you can uh,
0: change these things in the settings.
1: But well, I would, he mentioned an external hard drive. There are some external FireWire drives that will keep a system from sleeping and will not report themselves in PM set. So, you know, really? yeah. I, I mean, it's been yeah. a long time since we've seen a chipset that does this, but it is possible. So, you know, it's worth disconnecting that drive. And don't change anything else and and maybe set your sleep to be a very short period of time. Although even changing the time on your sleep can be enough to get past whatever the problem is. So if you are going to shorten the time for testing purposes, change that first without changing anything else and make sure it doesn't go to sleep. If it doesn't, then eject properly uh, by dragging to the trash and then disconnect fully the external drive and see if that works. Um, so I, you know, I, um uh, it, but it's, it's, you know, one thing at a time it, it, you know, you're saying you're seeing sugar sink stuff in the logs that may or may not be a problem. Sugar sync could just be chatty in the logs, uh, but try disabling it and see what happens. It, it's, you know, I wish we had a magic answer for you. Maybe PM set is that magic answer, but otherwise, you know, it's, it, 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 in a general sense, you just gotta, you just gotta troubleshoot and, uh, and and de- certainly devices that are connected would be the first thing I'd check. Now can we uh, now can we move on to Rick here, John? Sure. All right. Here we go with our first audio comment on the new uh, the new setup. So here we go.
2: Hi, John and Dave and Pilot Pete. This is Rick from Maryland. I had a Dropbox question. I'm running a MacBook Pro 2010. Um, I've got 8 gigs of RAM and an SSD hard drive, so it's pretty speedy. Um, And I'm a big Dropbox fan and user. Um, I've noticed uh, some CPU usage spiking attributed to Dropbox in Activity Monitor when it seems Dropbox is doing nothing. It indicates all files are up to date and there's no syncing going on. Um, There's no messages or visual cues that it's... uh, doing anything um except spiking the CPU. Um it can go up to a hundred percent and do it for several minutes or even longer. Sometimes I quit Dropbox and start it again and that solves the problem. So I don't know if there's a run a runaway memory leak or what. I haven't checked the console. Um but I thought as Dropbox users maybe you or some of your listeners have also noticed this. I'm currently running Dropbox 158, which is an experimental build, but it also, uh, the same things occur when I'm running the release versions of Dropbox. So, if you've got any insights on that, I'd appreciate it. Thanks very much. Love the show. All right. Thanks uh,
1: Thanks for the comment, Rick. Um, yeah, you know, so I I, I I doomed us, John, because I put two of these tough-to-diagnose things back-to-back, uh, if, if I... Uh, if I had to do it again, I'd put like a nice little softball in the middle I have an, to, I to have make a sound. Easy good. Yeah, go I go have ahead, easy. John. No, it's not going to be a real thing. I, I'll come back with my my real thoughts, but go ahead.
0: <laughs> well, no. The, the, oh, you do have the,
1: a real thing. Okay,
0: go. I do, but what was mentioned during the description of the problem was oh, and by the way, okay. I'm I'm just going to mention this just as a data point, but it was like oh, by the way, I'm running an experimental build. Of this software, and Dave being a software type of guy, and you're you're a software guy. Yeah, but I'm not did you hear his not. comment
1: where he said he tried it without the experimental build, and it and the same thing happened.
0: Uh, all I'm going to say is that to me raises a yellow flag, and that when you install experimental software, sometimes it installs weird things here and there. And uh, all I'm going to say is is watching what beta or alpha software does may sometimes lead you down the wrong path. I, I don't know if it, that's it case might, here. It, Dropbox it, is pretty it, good. It, it just, I, I understand that, but again, they, they, they and other people release experimental bills for a reason and that, you know, it may not be prone to the the uh, intense scrutiny that you may have from others. So I, I'm, I'm just offering, I'm not saying that this is what's happening here, but, it, but it's something to think about is especially, I'm sorry, I hear experimental Yeah,
1: no, I I thought the same thing. doing software
0: and doing... Okay, so, just again, if you're going to be doing any any sort of work with betas or experimental stuff, if you can do the best to either separate it either in probably a separate
1: user account or my preference would be a totally different machine. (laughs) Yeah, Dropbox betas have been... Very stable and very well contained okay. in terms of in terms of that, but you're right in a general sense yeah you, you got it, it and that's i think that's why he mentioned it that look you know I am using this, but i've tried it without and it and it's still happening and i for a long time I was always running Dropbox betas and I never ran into i ran into some dropbox specific issues but nothing you know outside on the system so anyway uh runaway processes are interesting um in in a general sense, and now we'll we'll kind of you know extrapolate back from rick's question and hopefully help multiple people here um if you can't immediately tell what's happening sometimes it's helpful to dig deeper into what the process itself is actually doing and you have a tool on your system to do this it's actually really cool Uh, if you look in if you run activity monitor which is in applications utilities uh go in there and double click on the spiking process. I'm assuming that you might even be using Activity Monitor to see what process is spiking, so you might already be halfway there. Double click on the process. You may not have realized you can even do this. And you can, if you're at your Mac, do this now. Find any process um, and and double click on it, and you'll get uh, a screen up that typically has three tabs, and the third one says Open Files and Ports. Click on that. In there, it shows every file and and network socket that that application has opened. And if you scroll down to the bottom or almost to the bottom of this list, if it's opening and closing files regularly, you will see files. It's a live view. You will see files coming up and disappearing off this list. So you might actually see that it's, you know, as it's spiking, it's it's trying to open a file and it might be that it's trying to open a cache file that's Uh, you know, permission locked or damaged or something. And that might give you an indication as to where your problem lies. Uh, It can be really, really handy. In fact, it can also tell you if a process that seems to be just running away is even doing something uh, because you might see that it's, you know, still processing through things and you're like, oh, I just added that. No wonder it's doing X. Uh, So, so that can be a really handy thing. Application, uh, sorry, activity monitor, Double-click on the process. And this is true of any process. It doesn't have to be a spiking process. Go to Open Files and Ports, and then, uh, and then take a look in the list. And again, toward the bottom of the list is where you're going to see the more recent changes. Uh, the very bottom shows you network sockets that aren't going to look like file names. Look just above those, and you'll start to see kind of the most recent stuff that's there. It's handy. I like it. It makes me warm and, and fuzzy. <laughs> the other thing that makes me warm and fuzzy is that well I haven't shaved today and also it's hotter than blazes in here but that's okay. Really? Yeah. the The ceiling fan that I turned on helped quite a bit. It's cooling off outside now and uh, yeah the water's coming in, the air's coming and off the lake but it's just you know it gets warm it was warm today good yeah it's good, good. yeah a little bit of sweat never yeah. hurt I don't need a shirt to record this show thank goodness we don't do video. And I and I do plan to jump in the lake, which is about twenty feet from me, as soon as we finish the show. So you know, go, j- <laughs> go jump in the lake. That's right. Hey, hang on though; we still got a little bit of show to do here.
0: Um. Oh. So I concur with you: is that activity monitor is where you find, especially the CPU percentage, and if you really want to, if you see something in that list that looks like it's out of control. Well, you can click on the quit process, or I think on any process, you can right-click, and it may let you kill it off.
1: So, Oh, that's true, too. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. Let's um, let's jump ahead here, John, on, on our agenda. We won't be jumping ahead for you folks at all because you don't have the agenda, and your agenda is this. Uh, Dima writes, I've listened listen to your show for two years, and uh, I often wish I had a good trouble issue to send you, but my Macs were running like champs until a week ago. When my late 2010 Mac Mini needed a fresh install of Snow Leopard, I did that, it updated to 1068, I installed all the OS 10 updates, and then Apple Software Update stopped updating. It just kept saying your machine is up to date, while iTunes, iLife, cannot even launch because those versions are so old. I deleted caches, I deleted software update plists, I tried tons of advice from the web but nothing. So I finally downloaded iTunes and iLife updates. Uh the I I downloaded the DMGs right from Apple's downloads and manually installed the updates. I searched for days, but nobody else seems to have this problem. I did notice that Apple installed Apple installer update during uh oh, I'm getting some funny things on the audio here, John. I hope the mobile setup holds together. Uh Apple installed Apple installer update one during OS ten updates. I think it has something to do with my problem. You are my only hope. Uh so uh folks in the chat room can still hear me, which I'm reading, which is, is hopefully good. John, can you still hear me? <laughs> help oh you no, Yeah, no kidding. You're my only hope. <laughs> uh I you know, I uh after this we we will um we will we will talk about the live show in the and the chat room uh but uh, but we will answer this question first. So this may or may not help Dima specifically but but I'm hoping it if it does if it doesn't or does help Dima, it helps many of you it it's important to remember that software update will only see those things that have stored receipts in one of the various folders that Apple has designated for receipts of software so when you install software from the the DVD or from a disk image um, it it puts a receipt in a special folder that software update looks at. And without that receipt there, no matter whether you have the software on your machine or not, software update will not check for updates for that software. Just having it in your applications folder is not enough. So there's a couple of ways that you could get software onto your Mac that software update will not find. Number 1 is to just if you just copy software, not using migration assistant which does things right in in theory, but if you just manually copy software onto your Mac, it'll run usually but software update won't see it the other way. And this gets me all the time is if I install from the app store and then I run software update, software update says, Nope, you're totally up to date because the app store has its own update engine. So, and the two don't Mm -hmm. talk to each other. So you've got to make sure you check in both places. uh, Even if you've installed it, you know, quote unquote correctly, Um, um, you got to check the app store as well as software update um, to, to, to get all these things. And don't for, for the, for, the, for the love of all that is good and pure, do not go into your receipts folders and start taking things out uh, willy-nilly. It, it's, th- those aren't actually applications in there. They aren't huge installer files. They're just little breadcrumbs left behind so that ah. software update knows what to do.
0: So. Well, then I am not even going to give the link to the, the article that I found called Uninstall Applications, Installed from Packages. Okay. Which basically tells you to do exactly what you
1: said not to. Well, you know, I'm trying to help these people, John.
0: <laughs> well, I I'm coming at this from technical curiosity in that how does an Apple how does an application in general know what it's done and what it should not do? And if it's new and it sees a prior version of itself, how do you do that properly? And I I think for the most part, Dave, the thing we've seen is either Apple or the vendors, the big vendors, Adobe and these guys have their own managers. But uh, Sparkle, I think, is still the one that I've seen for the most part when an app launches, sometimes coming against my my pal, a little snitch saying, oh, somebody's looking for an update. What do you think? Okay. Oh, by the way, you know, here's the old version. Here's the new one. Here's the documentation. You want to update? Probably. Sure. If they do it that way. Otherwise.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, we have a couple of tips that I think would be good to share in uh, in today's show here, John. And so we'll start with Paul, Paul, premium listener Paul, who has a cool stuff found to share. And he says, I was over on Kickstarter website and came across this cool little device called the Nifty Mini Drive. The mini drive fits flush into your Mac's SD card slot and adds extra storage without the bulk. A great idea if you have a portable portable device like the MacBook Air or Pro. Uh, and it is—it's pretty cool. It lets you—it—it it, it sits flush against the edge, so it's not going to cause you any grief. Uh, it's not going to get nicked and and broken out. You can you can go see a a, a picture of it on their uh, on their website, and I think it's cheap. I I think you. Uh, you can get this for like twenty five bucks, so you know if having that little bit of extra storage there is um you know is is something that interests you, go check it out. Did you check it out, John?
0: I checked it, and you know it's it baffles me that people would release a memory expansion product that kind of sticks out a little bit
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it's good it's well, yeah. I, I agree with you. Actually, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense that somebody would do that.
0: No, I mean, Express Card was cool, and then SD. Some people are like, "Yeah, we'll let it stick out a little bit. That's okay, right?"
1: Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. So, uh, actually, uh, somebody in the chat room mentioned that it is actually thirty dollars now because the early birds uh, that you could get it for twenty five. Those options on Kickstarter, anyway, are sold out. So, it's thirty bucks now. All right, um you know we got an email from uh, from Dave Nanian, who is the author of super duper and uh, and everything that happens over there at uh, shirt pocket software and and so uh Dave pointed out the we were talking a lot about uh I, I was emailing him asking him, okay, so you know we've been talking about this a lot on the show Carbon copy cloner has this whole thing where it manages the recovery partition. And you don't do that. And, you know, is that something you're going to add? And, and he says um, that, that he, he isn't, uh, or at least he, he isn't planning on it, but he's looking for feedback on this. And he's, you know, uh, he's, he's interested in hearing what people have to say, but, but essentially his philosophy is that, you know, Apple manages this when you reinstall OS 10 and he doesn't want to monkey about with it when Apple already provides the utilities to do it in theory. Actually, not in theory, in practice, you can reinstall the recovery partition by reinstalling lion and again i I pointed out to him, yeah, I know that, and you know that, and perhaps all our listeners know that, but people using your software may think they're actually getting a clone, and in fact they're not and again, his point was, yeah, this is you know so this is this is what he's doing, and this is why he's doing it He, he says there is an apple prescribed way of rebuilding the recovery partition and for him he doesn't want to potentially muck with that by creating a you know an alternative way of doing it uh so that that's the uh if you have feedback for that go over to to shirt pocket and and tell dave because it, it through our conversation he sort of started to see that perhaps uh that wouldn't be a bad thing but um so i just wanted to share that kind of as a follow-up to the last show any thoughts on that there john or I... no nope. okay uh let's see. We have ah, we have we have a question from Pete that actually appeared in the forums uh and then and then and then there Pete found some interesting things too. He's uh, Pete's running a MacBook Pro uh with an SSD as the boot drive using one of those uh things that you can replace the optical drive with a, a hard drive or an SSD that he got from Otherworld Computing. And uh and he said that he was having trouble getting it to hibernate. And he was asking about this. Now, hibernation is different than just sleep. On, on, your, uh, on your portable, it defaults to actually doing both. Hibernation is when the machine saves the contents of RAM out to the hard drive and then shuts off. Sleep is when the machine keeps, uh, keeps itself on a little bit and keeps the contents of ram in ram but as i said on by default your apple laptop does both when it goes to sleep it saves the contents of the hard drive uh, of ram to the hard drive but then it, it keeps powered it keeps the ram powered but the reason it saves it to the hard drive first is just in case you run out of power the machine still has a place to start up from once you reapply power it just comes back up reloads ram from the drive and you're back in business Uh, you can, and there's, there's utilities to do this one called smart sleep, or you can do it from the terminal. Uh, but, uh, but you can change this behavior and you can make it always hibernate or never hibernate and only sleep. Meaning if you run out of power, you lose whatever you had, uh, in Ram, but he was having trouble getting it to hibernate. And what he found out after talking to OWC is, uh, he says OWC told him that the boot drive has to be in the main hard drive bay in order for hibernate to work. So if you are booting from one of these aftermarket, you know, convert your DVD drive into a regular hard drive attachment kind of things, you cannot hibernate your Mac. And that's just a limitation of OS X, probably because they built it to to work very uh, efficiently with the the SATA interface, and it, I think John, correct me if I'm wrong, but the internal hard drive uses a SATA interface. the 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 one that's in the optical bay does not. Is that correct?
0: Um, depending on the release of the machines, so when the new the newer machines are all um, SATA for both, but the older machines, yes, are sometimes split in the hard drive is SATA, but the uh, the DVD is is ATA a hundred or, or yeah I think that's old right. school.
1: It's yeah it's older school right right yeah so but it is it, definitely a different interface so yeah okay Go. no it's no that that it's good it, it's it, the the device he's talking about is the OptiBay and it's a very very cool device um, and allows you to you know have essentially two mass storage devices inside your your MacBook Pro which is which is great. You just got it, it the best case scenario is to boot from the one that's in the main hard drive bay and then use the other one as, you know, your your you know, figure put a big huge drive in there and and just do it that way. So. All right, we got a couple more from uh from 408 that I wanted to share John and we are we have anything more to uh go to talk about. Okay. Uh Cat writes cat food, right? Um, Regarding your discussion on the delete or forward backspace key for a word ahead of the cursor in 408, uh, push the keys alt delete. No need for key remapping or highlighting. It's funny that this shortcut isn't listed on either the link uh, to the list you provided, but maybe it's because it's one from Windows. So I experimented with this, and it's actually not as clear as it could be. There's a difference between keyboards, Uh, some keyboards, the big larger ones that uh, you would get with a desktop machine, have both a backspace key, labeled backspace, and a forward delete key, which is in kind of that little clump of six little keys off to the right of the main keyboard. Keyboards that just have, like laptop keyboards, for example, my Air, does not have a key labeled backspace. It has a key labeled delete, and they both work differently. And neither work, there's no consistency between them. So on the larger, what I'm going to call dual key keyboards, which is having backspace and delete, here's the thing. And we're going to post an article about this because it's too much to remember, but I'll run through it anyway so you can experiment at home. The backspace key, as you would expect, erases the character to the left of the cursor. Option backspace erases the character to the right of the cursor. Option shift backspace erases the entire word to the left of the cursor. The delete key, which is a separate key, erases the character to the right of the cursor, and option delete erases the word to the right of the cursor. Got that? Good. Now let's move on to the laptops, which only have the single delete One. key. Right? Yeah. I experimented with all this, and maybe there's more. Um, and we'll add it to the article. We're not going to keep going uh-huh. through this in the show, but, but we'll finish with these two things that I learned about the single delete key. So, obviously, the delete key itself erases the character to the left of the cursor, which is what you'd expect. Option delete erases the word to the left of the cursor, which is very different than option backspace, which is in the same location on the other keyboard that erases the character to the right of the cursor. It's all over the place. It's craziness. It's crazy, John. It's much crazier than it should be. I'm
0: glad I stopped you and that I was like, I'm just going to bang on the keyboard
1: until I get the right combination. Yeah, I can't well, listen to you. March through these. Well, that's why I said, you know, listen to it, but then just go and experiment on your own because you need to, (laughs) well, you need to build it into your sort of your, your subconscious workflow anyway. Right. Yeah. So you just got to whack the keyboard. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Just whack it until the character goes away. (laughs) All right. Um, and then one last thing in the, in the interest of tying up loose ends, uh, Phil wrote back about our iPhoto Originals debate and he said, in fact, Uh, He proved that the originals are still there in his current version of iPhoto's library. Uh, He made an edit to a photo and dug in and looked and found, yes, definitively, there's the original. It copied it and, and it saved it there. So you can use iPhoto Library Manager to make a copy of your iPhoto Library, and you can check the box to not include originals if you want to leave those behind. So. Now that we've tied up that loose end, there is one thing I want to tell you all about. And, you know, we've we've been doing this live stream now. We're going to do it every time we do the show, technology permitting. And I would say if we're doing it here while I'm at the lake with this setup that I just explained, we're going to be able to do it every time because, let, let's face it, you know, this is about as bad as it's going to get, maybe. Although hotel Wi-Fi may, may actually prove worse than, than what I'm dealing with here. Wait until if and when I'm on the road. Hmm.
0: That's a good I'm on point. A nice, comfy. I got. I got to say, you know, optimum yeah, online right. and cable vision. Right. Do a pretty good job here, being the pretty much the only game in town. Right. Right. It's
1: not like some other places where it's like, yeah, sorry. But anyway, and and I think we've it, it, we you and I haven't had this discussion, it it you know, uh, definitively yet. But it sure seems like this eight thirty p.m. Eastern on Sunday night. Well, we John and I meet at eight thirty p.m. Eastern. By about eight forty-five PM, the chat's on and the stream is on, and then at nine o'clock or thereabouts, we start recording. And you can join us uh, at macgeekweb slash stream. We're still tweaking uh, there. There and there's two parts to it. There's the it's the, cool. The, there's the live stream, and then there's the chat. And when we put this up, whatever it was, a month and a half ago, both of them were sort of functional but not fantastic. And it admittedly, the stream was better than the chat, and the stream is still. Functional, but I wouldn't say fantastic. As of today, and and that includes what you're getting for this show, uh, Mr. John F. Braun has made the chat fantastic. Um, So you can see the chat right there at slash stream. We're using an IRC server, but there's an in app, or sorry, on web page client that works even on iOS. I was shocked and thrilled when I checked it today and it just worked. And, uh, or you can use an IRC client on your Mac or on iOS if you want some more features. And uh, and the server is irc.macgeekgab.com. Right now, that points to Hashmark's IRC server. But if you remember irc.macgeekgab.com and we have to move, you won't have to think of anything because it will always be there. And it will be channel pound MacGeekGab. So, John, I'll, I'll let you tell him about uh, – well, go. Tell them about what you did. What did I do? So
0: basically, I reached back in my past and said, IRC is the protocol for people to chat, Internet Relay Chat. So that's the world I basically looked in. And number one, I found, um, what I found was, an, and it actually led me to then look for providers. But So I basically wanted to revisit the world of IRC, and I found a, a, a colloquy, C-O-L-L-O-Q-U-Y, I found a client for the Mac. Um, that just—I—I I, I didn't feel the need to look for other uh, clients here. It's an awesome client. It's for Lion, it's for uh, Snow Leopard, and I think Leopard as well. But it's basically just uh, once I started using it, it was—it it gets the concept across quite well. All right, IRC or any chat system. Here's the deal: you got a server, you got users. Okay. That's basically how easy this makes this, uh, and the the uh, so the service I found was a so so number one I found this client number two I found that they were open and not so open IRC servers so people make these available and then I found uh, a service that would actually uh, embed a plugin into our site here and I gotta I gotta find these guys here but um well if you're in here you're in here already but it's um. That was pretty much the process. Cool. So, so the cool part is that it's open source. Um, we're linking to a site. We can link to another one, but IRC. No, you know, I, I know a lot of a lot of other uh, chats through IRC, and you know, it's probably twenty plus years old, and oh, more than works. that, I would think. Yeah, so one but- thing is colloquy, the, but the client really, really does make it kind of modern. I mean, the underpinnings are ancient. You know, not quite uh, tin cans and uh, strings, but still. <laughs> it, it makes it look nice and that you can change yeah. the color of your user. You can set access rights and stuff. And, and actually, the launch here, which we didn't really announce ahead of time, I and mean, we got a pile
1: of people in the chat room here. Over, yeah, it's over working out well. right now. Yeah, it's good. And uh, and uh, DS Chipman, DSC Chipman in uh, in the chat room mentioned that ADM, which is a Mac app also works for colloquy. But again, you don't need any of these apps. You can do it. John got this thing set up so you can do it right in your browser and it works great pretty much on any browser we've tried, which includes iOS. So, uh, so thank you, John, you, uh, you knocked this one out of the park. So now I'm, now I'm going to look for your help with, with the making the the stream work even better. (laughs) Well, Hey, why not? Right. That's good. So anyway, let's see if we can bring the band back in here. Because i got to get my kids to bed, and it's, uh, and they, they, they are patiently waiting the to come light. back to the, uh, really? to the house here. Yeah, So uh, if you want to contact us, there's two ways you can do it. If you are a premium contributor, and we will have more details about how, if you're not, you can become one. But if you're a premium contributor, premium at macgeekab.com is the email address to use. If you are not a premium contributor, we still want to hear from you. And it's feedback at macgeekab.com.
0: And I also want to make sure that Dave gets that right. And I do believe he said feedback at MacGeekGab.com.
1: I said feedback at MacGeekGab.com. I also said premium at MacGeekGab.com. All of you, though, can call us at 206 666 Geek, which my friend is 4335. 4335. I'll take it. Uh, you can Skype us to MacGeekGab. Which works fine. Uh, let's see. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash macgeekab, and we always post an event for uh, for the live shows. So if you follow us or like us, whatever they call it, was that over there. you? That yeah. was you,
0: man. Of I get it's these me. notifications on my phone saying, "Oh, Macgeekab wants to chat with you." I'm like,
1: "What?" Yeah, of course that's me. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so that's uh that's that uh it's so you, you know like us on facebook and then you can see when the events are there and you can even put you know sign up for them so that you get reminders and uh and all of that good stuff and uh and then you can follow us on twitter he is john f braun i am dave hamilton pilot pete is pilot pete mac Geekab is the show and uh, we tweet things like show notes and show releases and live streams and all that there. And then, of course, you can just follow Mac Observer as well. As well, and John, I think that uh, that does it for tonight. Yeah, we good? <laughs> Wait, can I pass this out of here? Yes, sir. All right, we we want to thank Michael Johnston from the We Have Communicators podcast for uh, helping convert, not helping, for doing the conversion of this show to AAC. We appreciate that, and of course, the bandwidth from Cashfly Podcast Marketplace includes BB Edit from Barebones Software, Text Expander from Smile, and of course, Gazelle to sell all of your various Apple electronics. We'll be back same time next week. Show four ten. Stream really? MacGeekUp dot slash stream. Yeah, I think so, man. I think so. Wow. I hope so. Until then, what? Oh, you tell him. Oh, okay. Don't get caught.